there's epilepticus is it's like a normal seizure. It lasts much longer. It may, t- may last for minutes, hours, days, weeks, actually. Fellow homo sapiens. Now, who knows much about status epilepticus? Well, it is what we call a seizure that lasts longer than five minutes or when seizures occur very closely together and the person doesn't recover consciousness between them. Status epilepticus is a medical emergency and the longer for which it continues, the more dangerous it becomes. So it is brilliant to have Christoph Bier from UNSA University Hospital in Denmark to share with us his extensive research into status epilepticus. I'm a professor of neurology and neurologist uh, working at a university hospital in Odense, which is a, a town in uh, Denmark, the center of Denmark, actually. And uh, I'm a le- I'm leader of the head of the epilepsy clinic. What is that? What type of research are you doing? Because there is so it's such so such a complex disease. I mean, there are so many things one could do. What what's your focus? I'm a, I'm a clinician. I'm working with patients uh, with epilepsy patients. Uh, and actually, my research is kind of a help yourself uh, research. I'm, I've patients that are sick uh, that need help, and then I look at the books and I don't find the answer to the challenges the patients are facing. Then I look at the literature and don't find an answer either. So this is what the, the starting point of my, my research actually: the patients I'm treating. And do you, are your patients are they adults or children? Exclusively adults. Okay. And so I understand that one of your foci or your fo- main focus is status epilepticus, which is a pretty dangerous, <laughs> ongoing, serious seizure, which can be fatal, of course. Can you tell us a bit about that, please, and your papers that you've written on that? Status epilepticus, as you mentioned, is a diverse type of, of seizure. And um, actually, only half of the patients that come in in our department have an epilepsy diagnosis before they are diagnosed with status epilepticus. Wow. A considerable part of those who have epilepsy, they, they simply forgot to take their pills. And epilepsy, and it's, uh, it's the, the outcome of these patients is usually good. We manage to stop these patients. And then the other half is kind of a mixture. Like epilepsy, you know, a lot of diseases have epilepsy. Some symptoms, maybe genetic, maybe structural, maybe brain cancer, many different things. And the same heterogeneity is seen among those patients with status epilepsy. So there is not one typical status epilepticus patient. Your reason for for researching status epilepticus, can you tell us exactly what that is? Is that for, I imagine, because it can be pretty dangerous? Status epilepticus is, is like a normal seizure. It lasts much longer. It may, t- may last for minutes, hours, days, weeks, actually. We have uh, rarely a patient with which has which, uh, seizures over a month, a month or longer. And uh, it's dangerous, and uh, a lot of research has been done the last years, actually. So our treatment is getting better and better. Uh, so the first steps in treatment is pretty straightforward now. We have, you know, we have to give benzodiazepines. Some of uh, the listeners may know is it propolam or intrapropyl um, midazolam. The next step is intravenous uh, Anti-seizure medication, typically levetiracetam, Kepra, um, some other gives well, pride, acid, or phenytoin. And uh, quite a considerable part of the patients really stop seizing after these two steps. But about one-fifth uh, remains, uh, ever, still continue with their seizures, despite this very aggressive treatment. And then we are in, in, a, in, a, in a part, where we, in, a, in a stage where we don't really know what to do. And the main problem is 
we can stop everyone to cease. This is no problem. We send them to the ICU, we give them um, sedation, and then the seizure stops. But this is very aggressive treatment, and it's very controversial. This actually helps uh, patients because uh, we sedated you, uh, the risk of pneumonia, some needs a trihostoma and other uh, complications. And there's some, uh, the other way is just to keep uh, keep on giving IV and procedure medication on the neurological wards. And this is one of the big unsolved questions, how to treat this status. Um, and I can, I can speak from like, people that I've known. Um, well, I've actually been in status once. It was really like unusual. It was um, focal aware status, which was, yeah, not, not a common thing. And that was pretty scary. Other people that I've spoken to have been into status. It scares them to death, or just the thought of it, because it may have happened more than once. Um, obviously, it doesn't scare them during, unless they're aware most of them aren't. Um, and just the worry of, well, understandable worry of, you know, death, really, because it is so dangerous, correct? It's really dangerous. And this is uh, one of the things I'm really working a lot about is prognosticate. How do you find out? How will this uh, severe disease end? Uh, how, is there a chance to survive in a decent condition? Or is it just a hopeless condition? Uh, when to stop treatment, how to treat it? Because no one is interested in getting over treatment, being on the ICU for weeks uh, without any realistic chance to survive this condition. On the other hand, it's one of the, one of the nightmares for a physician to say uh, there's no chance to help this, this patient. Um, and it turns out there was a chance to help. This is uh, horrible uh, for for everyone involved in this uh, treatment. So to find a way to prognosticate, to find out uh, what is the chance to get out of this in decent condition is one of the things I was focusing on, and this is what we published last year. It was kind of the end of five years' work, actually, where we had our patients in the department in Odense, and we really tried to look out. We not, not only did it survive. There's a lot of research in do you have your beating heart at discharge, but do you survive in a decent condition? Uh, and we used this as an endpoint. And using this, we found actually three things that were crucial for um, for outcome in a decent condition. It was uh, age. This was not new. Elderly people are far more severely affected. The other thing is, if you are already very sick at the very beginning of the emergency room, coma, arrival, this is bad. Yeah. But the third thing, and this is very important as for practical, it was the duration of the seizure. How long does yeah. it take? And um, I think we this was one of an additional additional support for the concept uh, time is brain also in in epilepsy. We know this concept from stroke. Uh, we have stroke units, we have stroke calls in every uh, bigger hospital actually around the world at uh, mm. this time. But we don't have something similar for epilepsy. And the worst thing was it's necessary because if you look at how those people which are suffering from uh, having a stage of epileptic, how's their survival? It's, it's actually as poor as uh, renal cell cancer. So after two and a half years, uh, approximately half the patients we had in our department were dead. So, for various reasons, but uh, it's it's as serious as renal cell cancer. We get diagnosed with it, and uh, I'm not sure if the hospitals currently have the sufficient attention on this condition. And I haven't heard that um, statistic um, quoted by anybody else, actually, by any other clinician. So, 
so basically so just to be clear the average survival like time that a person would survive post um status epilepticus as a whole is two and a half years just like someone might say if someone has a cancer is that what you're saying that's what i'm saying which is like all statistics in medicine you could take all the patients of and course. we took uh, we took those uh, from uh, 2008 to 2017 from our department but we also it was a very nice collaboration with Adam Stretzig from Germany and we looked at those they also have a long term follow up for their, those patients and actually we they had an even worse statistics so it's not it has doesn't have something to do with our department we are bad doctors it's <laughs> no 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 of course with, uh, with condition and if you look at the statistic work we did i think uh, it's uh, it's as we're told, it is heterogeneous. So we also have to look at etiology. It makes a huge difference if you have a known uh, temporal lobe epilepsy and forget your medication, then the risk of surviving is pretty high as compared to brain cancer. And brain, so the heterogeneity of the etiology really contributes to this. Also, when we look at patients that had no acute brain disease, like a structural epilepsy, they where uh, during alcohol taking illicit drugs, whatever, all this can trigger status epilepticus. Also in these patients, we see a high mortality, which is uh, predicted by the seizure duration and the age, essentially. So for instance, I met this um, chap once who, what, he was an alcoholic. Um, he was in treatment for it in hospital. And um, he said that he stopped drinking once and he went into status epilepticus. Yeah. Um, because it wasn't being like, I think he stopped drinking on his own. He wasn't doing it with, like, in, with um, any help or anything from clinicians. And he, yes, yeah, so he just stopped drinking and he went into status epilepticus. So I think that's a, you know, it's interesting that it doesn't, status epilepticus doesn't just affect people diagnosed with epilepsy, but there can be, be many things that cause it, correct? Yes, definitely. What has been the response to um, your papers on status epilepticus? Like, what has been the feedback? Have there been any changes made in hospitals as a result? I'm not sure. I got some personal analysis, which uh, the feedback was positive for this prognostics uh, score. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how many people are actually using it. Those people I'm talking with, they think it's quite a good tool because there are a lot of people working this issue. But most of them, they want to predict uh, if the patient is beating hard at discharge. And all the scores are actually determined. If you come in the, in the hospital, all the other scores, they are, uh, you have your score and you have your prognosis. But this is not the real life situation. The real life situation right. is that everyone gets a standard treatment, the first two steps. And after a day, the consultant uh, is asked how to proceed. So all the elderly patient, young patient, how to proceed, intensify. And uh, this situation, you need a score. And the, the score, the ACD score, which we developed together with the colleagues in Oslo and Frankfurt, really allows to adapt uh, the, during the course of the disease. So the score is different at the beginning and at the end. So, uh, And it's validated in different cohorts, not only in our department, also in Norwegian cohort and German cohorts. It's pretty pretty well so you can come with a good numbers uh, if you, to talk with your colleagues and of course the relatives uh, and uh, try to try to give every single patient uh, the optimal treatment 
uh, and find a balance. Um, something I take from this, then, I think it's really important to, um, when it comes to status epilepticus, is not just to tick the box if the person leaves hospital alive with their heart beating and they're conscious, hopefully, but um, is to actually see what is their quality of life like? Do they go into status epilepticus again? Um, how is yeah? How are their seizures afterwards? Are there any long-term impacts of the status epilepticus and things like that? Yes, correct. And it's also one of the big uh, open questions. We Another study we just published was on the super refractory status epilepticus, which, and what we did, we looked at the entire literature all was published, uh, we found uh, more than 200 uh, case studies published in literature, and then we analyzed every case study, which information was reported, which treatment did the patient get. We estimated the condition at discharge and uh, kind of collected uh, the data from entire literature in a single article. So a lot of, all of the case reports, case stories, one has treated 10, in the other words, a cohort of 20 patients. We collected all this and... One of the bottom line was that uh, the treatment of the super fracture status epilepticus is actually quite successful. So if, if the physicians just want to, they get all the patients they reported in the literature out of status. It was kind of impressive, um, more than 80%, uh, a little bit depending what you look at. Um, but the other part of the story is how they're discharged. And if we extract data from all these case reports, uh, a lot of patients are in poor condition. And one of the big questions is how do they recover? Is there a chance that it will be a rehab after after treatment? Is there a chance to come back to life, live in your own house, or uh, do you have to stay in a nursing home? What is the because this is one of the things and related to this question is the other open thing is how dangerous is status? Is it all etiology? Is it uh, the underlying etiology that really triggers the seizures or is the seizure harmful? Uh, and this is another unsolved question I'm, I'm trying to work on in the next years. Okay, unsolved question. So you'll be continuing work on that and th will your colleagues overseas also be working with you on that? Is this going to continue to be a global sort of project? I'm contributing to the to the new uh, registry which is initiated for Nicolas Gaspar from Belgium and he's, and he's the primus motor of a, of a big European network where we collect states of lepticus patients which I think is a great initiative uh, and this is, should be the way forward if you look at hematology uh, lymphomas uh, leukemia great, great successes yeah. have been made in the last decades and years and do you know why? Because every patient diagnosed gets into a clinical trial. Everyone who dies from lymphoma contributes to scientific knowledge. So we get one patient dies, but uh, the next, the future patient will benefit from this death because we learned. And this is not happening in, in epilepsy research, but, should, but it should be the case, especially in these very severe um, uh, conditions. And uh, you know from, from the pediatric field, there are great networks working on the genetics of uh, yeah. epilepsy, and we should have something similar in the adult uh, neurology for those severe conditions like status epilepticus. And Nicola Gaspar is one of those, is initiated one of those networks. I'm really happy to contribute to. Obviously, as you said, that we have this um, new network. What, what can other, our listeners, so 
other clinicians, researchers, and indeed patients, families and carers, how can we contribute to this? The patients can contribute by not becoming a state of epileptical <laughs> Well, that <laughs> is kind of like, yeah, that is kind of our focus, but yeah. Taking, taking the medication, prescribed medication, if you get side effects, don't just stop, talk to your doctor, um, be a pain in the neck. It's, it's fair. <laughs> you say, doctor, this is not good enough. I'm, you prescribed this medication, I'm getting sick of it. Get me something new. We have more than 20 different uh, good substances against seizures. Your, your, your epileptologist will be able to find one. And if it doesn't, you may ask another one. Um, for This was kind of one thing for caregivers, <laughs> for patients. And for physicians, I think the, the research community should strive to collaborate, support uh, initiatives like this one from Nicola Gaspar, uh, contribute with patients, so that every patient you have in your hospital and patient might die or may have a good outcome that this this patient history contributes to our collective knowledge so we get smarter and better to treat uh, um, patients. Thank you to Christoph for sharing with us just a snippet of his work into status epilepticus but also for reassuring us that his research into how to minimize the risk for people who experience status epilepticus is continuing. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. And I'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about today's show. Please subscribe to Epilepsy Sparks Insights on your podcast app so that you will never miss the weekly episode. I'm Tori Robinson. Thanks for listening.